0: Welcome to the Just In Time podcast. I'm Kerry Jones,
1: editor. And I'm Will Green, news editor at Supply Management. Each month, we'll take a look at some of the top stories in the news and discuss the most pressing issues affecting procurement and supply chains, so we can uncover what you need to know.
0: Today we have joining us M Scott, representation manager at Sips. Um, thanks for joining us, Emma. You're welcome. Good to be here. So if we kick off with some news this week, um, for myself, I'm extremely excited that we are back in print. Supply management is back and our first issue, Winter 21, arrived on my doorstep today. So have you you seen it? Has anyone else got it?
1: Yeah, I've got it. Yes, mine has arrived. Not
0: yet, not yet, but hotly awaited. (laughs) Fantastic. I've seen on Twitter, some of our members have received it. So looking forward to having a... A very good uh, tea break later today sometime and have another good look through that. I think it's so exciting to be back in print after a pause last year. Um, Yeah, Will, and also kicking off a new podcast. Uh, How do you feel about that, Will? Are you excited for our our new product?
1: I'm super excited (laughs) for our new product. Can't wait to engage.
0: Uh, Yeah, we've got some fantastic guests lined up throughout the year. So do come check in on us on a monthly basis. Um, So what else have you seen in the news, um, in procurement news, Will?
1: Well, it seems like everyone's talking about vaccine contracts at the moment um, and the uh, sort of row that seems to be going on between the EU and the UK about who should be getting the AstraZeneca vaccine. And like a lot of things in life, it seems to go back to procurement because at the heart of it, there's um, a row about the terms of the contracts that were signed between the buyers and the suppliers in this instance. We also have, of course, uh, going on in the background, uh, post-Brexit development, if you like, uh, with the procurement green paper that the UK government has produced in which they've uh, come up with all sorts of fresh ideas of how they want to shake up public procurement in the UK.
0: That's quite exciting. What sort of ideas are they coming up with? Is it, is it all very straightforward and easy to follow?
1: Uh, Well, like a lot of these things, (laughs) no, not really. Uh, There's a lot of complicated things going on in there. Uh, But I think essentially they want to try and get more innovation into the process uh, and um, also try and generate more sort of value from uh, procurements. So they're they're sort of saying to people, you don't have to go for the lowest price. um, And they're encouraging more social value and more sustainability.
0: So um, Emma, how about on your side? I mean, I know you talk to a lot of different people all across procurement profession and all across the different regions in the globe. Um, What sort of news have you been, uh, what's been your hot topics this week?
2: Well, the Green Paper has been talked about a lot really Mm. and I think there's a a real vested interest in that, whether you work for um, the public sector, whether you contract directly with the public sector or or really we should all have an interest in it because it's it's how our taxpayers purse is is best spent so yes lots lots and lots of talk about about that at the moment uh sustainability is always there's always some brilliant stories going around um about sustainability and how people are are really still having that focus with everything that else is going on it's great that really it's it's still forefront at people's minds and i think um Especially with what we can do to um to improve things, to get through this economic downturn quicker, to, to help local economies, anything like that really. It's just some real great heartwarming stories are going on about how um regenerating areas or, or building back better is the phrase I think lots of people are using. So yeah, some great stuff around.
0: Yeah, it seems like it's a really good time to kick start those initiatives that and you know, dust them off and get them back out with you know obviously a lot of things were put on pause last year um people being just a bit cautious but it seems like now's the time to accelerate all of that
2: yeah i think so i think you know we've got that panic stage over we've rethought (laughs) about sourcing strategies etc and we're getting a little bit back to business as usual and bringing on those proliferating projects that perhaps were mothballed yeah
0: fantastic So um, as I did mention our new magazine has just come back into print Um, and as readers will see soon I hope. um, One of the big questions we've been asking business leaders in the magazine is what have been the positives of the pandemic for procurement specifically. So obviously there have been some really difficult challenges but because people have had to pivot very quickly and accelerate um, their creative thinking and their business models, what would you say Emma are the upsides of that? I think first
2: and foremost has been just how much attention and profile procurement teams have had i mean everyone i've spoken to said they've never been as busy which is great (laughs) news but it does also mean that the spotlight's on you i guess to to deliver so i guess for more invitations into boardroom discussions um more information being required from the business um so more so i guess procurement teams are looking at data more and, and how they can provide a Assurances and information to their boards, how they can help with those business decisions and provide more agility um mm-hmm. I think those have have probably been some of the answers that have been asked of from their their senior board, but I guess the connectivity that we've seen as well, and that's twofold really um you know we're, Gone are the days I think of us all jumping on a plane and going meeting suppliers and <laughs> um, and a lot of people have said that you know they'd, they'd have usually racked up thousands of air miles by by this time of the year and, and you know that's all gone. I guess instead there's been more agile and, and regular contact with suppliers because we've all had to do that, that online. That just makes things a bit more responsive than, than it perhaps would you know and it's not obviously just on the phone people are using Zoom or, or whatever these video conferencing packages you've got so you can still have those conversations where you get that human interaction you can see the whites of people's eyes you can read people's <laughs> body language so you're still getting a sense of of what's going on and you can start reading between the lines but I think it's 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 opened up um more collaboration um and more open and transparent conversations with suppliers. It's had to, you know. There's a, there's a sense of we're all in this together, and and therefore you you just have to lay it out on the table what's happening. Start flagging risks or potential issues maybe a bit quicker, for for the sake of your organisations and 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 your and your um buyer. So, um yeah, I think I I really hope that that openness and that connectivity, um will will continue.
1: This certainly seemed to be the case, Emma, that we were hearing last year that, that buyers were having more contact with their suppliers, not less, as a result of the pandemic and as a result of the lockdowns, that people were actually having more more communication. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, can only be a good thing, I'd think. And I think the stories that we've heard about supporting suppliers as well through this, so kind of going back to that, we're all in this together, um, you know, some businesses. They've literally had to shut down their operations overnight, particularly in hospitality, etc., I think a Premier in hundreds of thousands of hotels overnight, and and rather than just leaving those suppliers, you know they were they were working with um, food producers um, to try and find a new route to get their their produce out. So whether that was direct to to consumers or through different markets, and and that's been great as well because you know at the end of the day we've all got to come back to normal, whatever normal might be at some point, and we'd hope that all of our suppliers are still there with us. So I think it's been incredibly hard work for those organisations who have literally had to shut down their supply chains. How do you keep that going? How do you make sure that they're all going to be there when you need them and when you open up again? must be such a challenge.
0: Absolutely. Especially if you do have a complex supply chain or if you're dealing with a lot of suppliers. I mean I guess if, if you have to shut down or if you have to increase communication or to slightly change your your business model for the short term and if you're a small business perhaps you're actually in a better position than if you are trying to deal with 10,000 or 20,000 different suppliers you can't talk to everybody all the time no matter how much you try no um so yeah hopefully the way people are approaching that is changing as well
2: yeah, particularly with with smaller suppliers, as you mentioned there, I mean, so many um organisations have published that they've, you know, they've switched to immediate payment terms for those smaller suppliers, things like that, even the ones that are keeping on going, uh, you know, they, they realise the vulnerability of their supply chain. And that need to add that extra layer of of support, which has been good. And I I hope we long may that continue. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: So are you seeing any other trends apart from obviously communication is one of the main things, not only internally within businesses, but also sharing as a profession, um, I've, I've seen a lot of that in this past year of new, new ways of, um, approaching problems and problem solving, um, so. What sort of trends are you seeing emerging, Emma, for, um, that you think are going to be quite key this next year?
2: I think collaboration is going to be massive. And I think collaboration mm-hmm. not only with suppliers, but also with competitors or with similar organisations who have similar makeup of supply chain as you. I mean... I've seen this loads of examples of this in the um, food supply chain, particularly at the beginning of lockdown last year. Um, you know, all the, the big um, supermarkets were having um, daily meetings together, collaborating really? w- w- with government um, to to just try and find establish what the state of play is. At, you know, and that they will happen really regularly. And I hope that continues as well. You know, they they're all going to come across the same shortages or the same pinch points, um, and. If they can work together, then um, you know that that would benefit everybody, and and that overlaid with Brexit at the moment and, and shortages. Then and I think that's probably what's needed. And another example is in construction. The beginning of lockdown, there was much confusion over what was an essential business, who should lock down, who shouldn't, um, and um, construction workers tried to carry on that they thought they were in the, you know we're not locking down but most of their suppliers didn't think that way so you know there was a massive shortage of plasterboard and all sorts of building supplies which which grind the the supply chain to a halt and put many big projects on on hold. So there's been a lot of collaboration between the main construction um, groups uh, to try and make sure that there's more clarity over availability. And again, overlaying that with Brexit, so they don't end up in that situation again. So trying to give all of that demand um, information to suppliers collectively so that those suppliers know... How much they can ramp up, what they what they can be expecting from that suppliers, and I think that that's that's kind of what's important. Unless we know what the demand's going to be like, it's difficult for some of our suppliers to to start switching things on, bringing people back off furlough, ramping up again. So um, keeping those communication lines open would be really important.
1: And what yeah, we're also hearing about more open supply chains by sort of making components. more common across different categories and industries to to simplify it and in the same way improve the supply um, which is a a very interesting development because again that will require cooperation across different businesses for them to agree on these standardized components
2: definitely I think there's enough things that these organizations can differentiate on that aren't down to nuts and bolts or small components. Um, so they can fight those battles on, on different types of innovation. And I think having that standardisation
0: of some products would, would definitely help with some continuity of supply. Absolutely. So with that sort of thing, do you think that would be a regulatory level? Because I mean, that does feed into competition and your creative and design intellectual property as well, I imagine.
2: Yes. And I think that those conversations are overlaid with those sensitivities, I think. So It it's being able to spot areas where you can collaborate without some kind of collusion or or anti-competitive <laughs> um, complications. Um, but even for, for supermarkets, it could be and they've been doing this for years and it could be. Um, doing it more and more like they all have lorries going up and down the motorway systems um you know sharing loads you know that that doesn't cause any kind of conflicts in terms of competition but you know it would help supplies get to where they need to be and avoid shortages as much as possible so it's most definitely we should be overlaying this with with what what we can and can't do and and thinking about what's best for both suppliers and those organisations but I think um other trends will be a a shift towards um buying for resilience rather than necessarily a, an over reliance on, on cost. Um so I really think that that would be a focus. So security of supply, surety it will will be much more important. So it might mean that we all have to pay a bit more for the goods and services that we buy, but at least we know that will be available. And I think that <laughs> that that's what things will have to come down to. I'm afraid.
1: That's the bottom line.
2: Yeah, it certainly is. <laughs> and um and a, a mixture of sourcing strategies as well. I think you know we, we can't rely on long lean supply chains where everything comes from the far east and we expect to order it one day and it arrives two days later. That just is not the reality. It's not the reality for my Amazon orders at the moment. <laughs> Never mind getting your products and stuff from um, the components, etc., from the Far East. So I, I don't think that we will ever um, see an end to those types of supply chains, but I think they will be mixed up with more local supply or, or we will see more spreading of, of risk. So
0: less reliance on sole sourcing as you mentioned Emma about the different ways of working and also different restraints on what we can do I mean we are still working at home um, and then it's hard to imagine I mean when I think of a procurement profession I think of them out there in the field meeting people like you said that eye-to-eye face-to-face contact so how do you think working from home actually has impacted procurement and supply chain professionals I mean Is it levelling the field for more people to be involved and do their job or is it having an impact on that?
2: I think in terms of the technology that we all put in place at the beginning, some organisations were scrabbling around because they hadn't got technology in place others had already got this type of um, whether it's teams or zoom or whatever in place so there was that at the beginning and then all of a sudden we thought oh well you know this is working we can all speak to each other at home and uh, everyone can access systems etc and work so no, no one's denying that people are doing long hours Um, and uh, they're all working hard but is it as efficient and as effective as it would be working in the office I mean I for one miss coming out of an email or having a project and just being able to turn around to your colleagues um, just brainstorm ideas or go oh my gosh Mm -hmm. I've got this problem I'm not sure what to do about it and Two or three people say, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And someone offers to go make you a cup of tea and all of a sudden it, it feels so much better. And it's so much more intense at home. You feel, you feel like uh, although you can connect with your colleagues, you are really working in, in isolation. So um, I, I think that that is, is a struggle. And we don't pick up on all of those conversations that go on and make those connectivities about what's going on with the wider organisational things outside your team. And for procurement, that's critical, really. We, we have so many touch points across the business that those little anecdotal conversations that perhaps got missed are, are potentially missed opportunities or risks that might come up. I'm not under any doubt that people are working hard and they're working long hours, but are we getting the absolute best out of people? Are probably say no i'll admit myself i struggle on on some days to to find the motivation um you know to not be affected by burnout and and losing focus and it's incredibly hard when it when it is so intense so you know i think there's the the connectivity and the, the anecdotes that we we might pick up on and the projects we might get involved in that we're missing out as as well as the the effect on our mental health i think
1: you're absolutely right it's it's those little conversations that, that that happen around your work tasks that you really notice when they're not there um making a cup of tea in the kitchen and having a chat uh, and it's all those things that allow you to sort of de-stress from a particular situation that when you're isolated at home you just don't get that
2: no absolutely and someone said to me once a few weeks ago we're we're not working from home we're living at work and that trying to um like end your day from from a work perspective and then go home you are at home for for many of us that's so difficult I've heard of people going out their front door walking around the block and coming back in again just to feel like they've walked home you know I mean I used to have an hour drive on the way home most days and I I miss that so much that decompression time that de-stress Get some of those conversations or meetings or thoughts that you've had clear in your mind. And then by the time you come in the door, you've dumped work and, and now your mum or wife or friend or flatmate or, or whatever that ever is. And, and there's that demarcation. Whereas I I leave the office door, I take 10 steps into the kitchen and two children are asking what's for tea. <laughs> That's I, I'm not having that stress release time, I guess, at the end of the day often.
1: There's no clean break.
0: I have heard of some people doing the commute, especially I think it's particularly good discipline with freelancers and consultants who in between contracts, they still have to maintain that routine. So I think some freelancers are actually advising people who have switched to working from home and aren't familiar with setting up their own daily routine to say, well, do the commute anyway or even if you're not getting on the train, you might walk to the station and walk home. Yeah, and make like you were saying, like go outside, go around the block, and and just change your environment
2: definitely i mean i I'd, I'd, I'd said as well this week because uh, it's difficult to i try to get out for a walk once a day but that's that's not always easy um and so i've i've tried to start having a look through my diary of which meetings i've got that i could perhaps make a, a walking meeting and you know i don't have to see what's going on on screen and i could just you know, listen in and, and get some exercise at the same time. So, That's you know, although idea. I might not be switching off mentally, at least I'm getting out and getting some fresh air and, um, you know, getting the vitamin D or whatever from the sunshine. <laughs> when we have the sunshine.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, bringing it back to procurement people specifically, I was in a meeting the other day where someone had mentioned that it really changed their approach to negotiating. So when they were negotiating with clients or if they were negotiating between suppliers, actually, if you're both on a screen, it's really different because there are certain signals and cues in in that type of meeting that you don't have anymore because you're both sitting in your lounge
2: yeah and but also it must be quite um, intense as well you know it, I haven't really still got used to looking at myself on screen so often. <laughs> You realise all the little cues that you give off. And I think that that must be incredibly difficult. Reading people's body language, whether that's in a negotiation situation or just amongst your colleagues, identifying the people who you think, oh, I think they need a bit of help. I think they need some support. They're struggling a bit. So, yeah, I think that must be incredibly difficult.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think in the year forward, people are realising, you know, maybe if this situation isn't resolved as quickly as we'd all love, um. So it is opening up the field for a different set of skills and just accepting that even if, you, you know, you don't normally make time to schedule just chats, maybe, maybe you should be doing that because, you, like you're saying, you're missing out on those little conversations or brainstorming conversations or just having a, a catch up that's not about work.
2: Yeah, bans.
0: I miss bands absolutely (laughs) everyone (laughs) needs bands
2: but on the positive note like you said at the beginning the equality thing I think is is great and and does that mean that you know I've heard that the talent pool is even in more competition now because it doesn't really matter where you are in the world so we're it's more people are competing for the same pool of talent and for me as a as a working mum it's meant that i can i can join um networking events online in the evenings you know i can i can be on mute and still having to cook the tea or knowing that the kids are in the lounge and everyone's home and they're safe and well um, and um, I can still engage with that so that I think there are some benefits too I'm enjoying spending more time with my family but I, I would definitely like more of a balance I miss the office <laughs>
0: <laughs> to end on a positive note as we are talking about you know looking forward future trends um has anyone got any good news for procurement that they'd like to share have you seen anything more upbeat in the news this week
1: we've got a, well there are there are a couple of uh, rays of of light believe it or not um unilever have uh, said that they're going to insist that all their suppliers pay a living wage which is quite a big deal they're obviously a massive company with a, a, a lot of influence they're going to phase it in over a I think about 10 years, so it's, it's not going to happen overnight, but it's certainly a very positive step. And then, of course, we've also got Whitbread, who have announced a bit of good news for hospitality, which, let's, let's face it, is few and far between. They have just struck a deal with uh, NG to roll out electric vehicle charging points across their hotels and restaurants. The plan is that this is going to reach about a 1,000 of these sites eventually. And what it will mean is that people will be able to turn up, have a meal or stay the night and charge up their vehicle. Uh, And it also means that procurement have... It's a procurement-led initiative and they've uh, managed to create a revenue stream for the business as a result of this. So for for a sector that has been, let's face it, hammered by the pandemic, there's a little bit of good news.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic, and also getting into a really um, exciting and growing industry as well. I mean, if you can get involved, especially that industry at the moment, as you said, if there's a little ray of light there, that's fantastic to grab onto.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, it it, it keys into you know, obviously the the whole switch to electric that's taking place. Um, we, we we need to decarbonise, and yeah, it's uh, it's ticking that box as well.
0: I was watching some of the Davos agenda, the World Economic Forum, and they were coming up with some really very interesting um, economy recovery, some sustainability plans and how our, we can reinforce our supply chains. And the one thing I could not, <laughs> one thing I could not shake off was that one of the people involved in the economic recovery talk was smoking a pipe the whole time. And it was so bizarrely at odds with what he was talking about and he seemed so like comfortable confident that we're there for the whole world to see just on his zoom call (laughs) smoking this huge glorious pipe and I I did find it quite distracting but I just thought what a dude what a dude dude. you don't (laughs) see much of that these days no (laughs) no not at all but um if anybody is interested that I do recommend watching it accelerating the real economy-led recovery Great, and uh, some fantastic speakers on that.
1: As Simon Lee at Whitbread was saying, they've taken this time as as an opportunity to prepare themselves for when they're able to get going again, effectively. And so that's one way to look at this situation that we're in: is that now is the time to regroup, plan, and um, come back stronger.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Emma. Thank you for having me. It's been great for joining us at the just in time podcast we'll be back next month with a fresh new guest so please do like and subscribe not to miss out and in the meantime if you have any supply questions you want answered or if you have a topic you'd like to suggest you can get in touch with us at supplymanagement.com.